COVID-19 has claimed more than 8,000 lives so far in the United States of America. One of the people who it has claimed is the life of Tarlock McNeilish. And as you can tell from the name, that's not really a Native American name. Tarlock McNeilish was originally from Belfast and he was one of the most significant players in the LGBT campaigning community in New York City. And he was a veteran of campaigning for LGBT equality in Northern Ireland before he went stateside. And his his story touches on Ian Paisley's DUP, the New York St. Patrick's Day Parade and the early history of Pride on this island as well. All of which, to be perfectly honest, sounds like ideal fodder for a slot of Hidden Histories with Donald Fallon. Donald Afternoon, how are you? It's good to be here, Gavin. How are you? Yeah, good to have you. And uh, thank you again for making the profound gesture of uh, downloading Skype because I know it was a a big move for you, but (laughs) it sounds like it's holding up great. So uh, uh, thanks for joining us again as ever uh, this Sunday. Um, Some remarkable lives have been cut short in recent weeks by this ongoing pandemic, haven't they? And, you know, at first, I think it can be very easy to lose sight of the, the kind of individual stories mm. at the heart of this kind of global crisis, because the numbers are just so vast. And I mean, New York City and the numbers this morning from New York City are absolutely shocking. It's probably fair to say New York, you know, is is the new Lombardy. It's the global epicenter of this kind of mm. ongoing event. But every number, you know, is a name. And some of the people that have been lost in, in recent weeks have been absolutely remarkable lives. I mean, as a historian, there were two of them. That really made me sit up. Uh, Rafael Gomez Nido, a veteran of the Spanish Civil War, who played a part in the liberation of Paris uh, after the after the Second World War, lost his life this this week. He was in his nineties, and then this this great story, Tarlac McNeilish, uh, a name that's more widely known, I think, in New York City than in his in his native Belfast or Ireland more broadly. But you know, an enormous man, uh, literally and and in terms of spirit taken long before his time. Very long before his time because he wasn't yet even 60 but his life had seen so much. When I when I was reading into what he had done in his, in his lifetime I mean it's incredible to think he was 57 years of age mm. and that is a reminder just how much has changed very quickly not only here in Ireland but indeed on the other side of the Atlantic as well and, and he was someone who had a really sharp sense of history he'd only just donated his own archive uh, and papers to a museum in the north, uh, an incredible archive, really, which captures the kind of rich tapestry of LGBT history in Northern Ireland. So, you know, it seems it seems fitting this morning to talk a little bit ab- about him and his times, because I think in a way what it allows us to do by putting a name on just one of these ever increasing numbers, you know, it, it, it humanises this awful tragedy in its own way. Absolutely. So so tell us a little bit then about uh, Tarlock's story, because he came uh, of age in the cauldron of 1980s Belfast, and particularly that, that campaign run by Ian Paisley, Save Ulster from Sodomy. He, he was a student of Queen's University Belfast at a time when politics in Northern Ireland really happened in one place, and that was that was on the streets. And the social battle lines were, were even amidst the political chaos, I mean, there were social battle lines. Mm. And in the late 70s, the, the, the Reverend Ian Paisley and, and, and the Democratic Unionist Party launched what was called the, the Save Ulster from, from Sodomy campaign. And Ian Paisley, you know, in a classical kind of sense, he was a street preacher. And it's worth saying this, Paisley died a very different man to the Paisley of the 1980s in mm, many ways. I mean, absolutely. he made peace with, with many people and he, he became a kind of broadly liked figure in Irish society. But in the 80s, he was a different man. And he was someone who kind of he understood shock politics, street politics. And actually, if you look at the, the kind of Westboro Baptist Church in, in America, yeah, yeah, there was, there was some of that off Ian Paisley. You know, he would show up outside of an event with a banner which was designed to provoke people or he would interrupt speakers, most famously the Pope. But the Save Ulster from, from Sodomy campaign was remarkable. 70,000 people. And that banner literally hung. Uh, you know, across buildings in Belfast city centre, save Ulster from sodomy. And as a young student, Tarlock McNeilish was involved uh, in a campaign against this. They inverted yeah. the message of Paisley brilliantly 
on a mock T-shirt that became really, really iconic. Save Ulster from Sodomy became Save Sodomy from Ulster <laughs> to, to, the horror, to the horror of the Reverend. And there were pitched battles literally and metaphorically yeah. uh, on the campus at Queen's. But for me, that T-shirt saved Sodomy from Ulster. I mean, it's just this great moment of humour at a time when there was very little humour uh, in Northern Ireland. And mm. I, I always place it on, on par with the famous Belfast street graffiti that said, you know, no topless sunbathing. Ulster has suffered enough. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, it's always amazing how humour can just show up in the most darker places. It, it, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, so but, so that, that was then this, the slogan that basically he completely just turned, turned the campaign on its head Absolutely. To, to the fury of Paisley and the others. And he, he recognised something, Tarlock, as a young man, that a lot of people recognised in Belfast. I mean, you had this weird situation where you lived in a British jurisdiction, you used British money, there was a British flag, over City Hall, and yet local government didn't implement British laws that they didn't like into Northern Ireland. So, mm. I mean, it was a kind of a la carte Britishness that you know young activists like him regarded very much as as totally and completely uh, hypocritical. Mm, uh, which I suppose is, is a similar uh, argument that's been made in more recent years as well with the lack of same-sex marriage and abortion rights that have only recently been amended in Northern Ireland. The people think that there's still a certain amount of a la carte Britishness going on there. Um, so the, tell us then about his emigration to New York City then where, where things get really tough. The Northern Ireland that he left was a bit of a cold house for, for, for gay people. Things changed very, very slowly. I mean, there was the first gay pride parade in, in 1991 through the streets of Belfast, but 120 people marched from Ulster University to, to Botanic Gardens. And it was people like him, really, that paved the way and allowed that to happen. But he went to New York City, the traditional kind of bastion of young Irish migrants, and threw himself into what was called the ILGO, the Irish Lesbian and Gay Organization, which was a total torn in the side of kind of official Irish America and what they called Hibernianism. They would picket the Patrick's Day Parade. A few weeks ago, we did a slot, actually, on the New York St. Patrick's Day Mm. Parade, and, and they were banned from marching in it. But it was actually, it was in many ways as physically dangerous to be campaigning for gay rights in New York City as it was to be doing it in, in, in Belfast. And there's a lovely autobiography. This might be the greatest title for an autobiography ever published by Kelly Cogswell, an, an activist in New York called Eating Fire, My Life as a Lesbian Avenger. There, there's wow. a name for a book. <laughs> <laughs> she talks about just the abuse that people like her and, and, and Tarlet got. She says, you'd be standing at the side of the parade and they'd be shouting, you have your own parade, this is our parade. Uh, not yours. And that's about the only insulting quote you could read on on the radio. Mm. But there's a really remarkable passage in her memoir. She says, in the time I hung out with the ILGO, this big guy Tarlock got beaten to within an inch of his life. Little Brendan Fay lost his job teaching religion at a Catholic high school when he marched with us for the first time. Later on in 93, Brendan was stabbed when he was walking home in Brooklyn, the blood from a punctured lung spilling out over the sidewalk. I mean, that is the New York City of the 1990s, which is which is extraordinary. To yeah, think it's mad to think that it, it was so recent as well. Uh, when we did that slot about the New York St. Patrick's Day Parade a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the ancient order of Hibernians, which is sort of the main organising body where they have such influence in all of that. And it, it took the likes of, of Tarlick to take on uh, such, a, such a massive ancient organisation and to, to win over them. And he did it with like some of the same kind of uh, aesthetics that he that he'd used in the north. I mean, he had a real eye for for graphics. So just as he'd taken on Paisley's slogan and turned it on its head, they did a great job kind of taking things that were dear to Irish America and reinventing them. So they called themselves the Lavender and Green Alliance. But they marched, or they tried to march, behind an Irish language banner: Winter Eireach na Heron, Gay Community of Ireland. Mm. And it was written in this beautiful kind of you know Shanguelga, this old Irish font. Yeah, yeah. And there was a lovely profile off him in a, a, a magazine over there that said he is Tarlac McNeilish of Belfast, a man who could provide technicolour nightmares to doctrinaire 
Irish Americans. That, that's uh, that's quite the phrase as well. There's some great poetry in this piece this week. Um, I accidentally may just skip over because you've sent in some notes about this as well. I may just skip over the role that he had in uh, establishing the whatever about the New, the New York St. Patrick's Day parade, about the gay pride uh, parades and some of the the events in Belfast that he was involved in before he emigrated. Yeah, we touched a little bit on that. The, the, the 1991 parade, which was the, the, the first gay pride march through Belfast, and its iconography was beautiful. They used the, the kind of the pink triangle, you know, the symbol yeah. that goes back to the days of, of, of fascism and the Second World War and, and the concentration camps. About 120 people took part in that. And that parade now has grown year on year uh, in Belfast into something quite remarkable. But, uh, you know, it's, it's incredible to, to, you can't imagine the Belfast. Uh, gay pride parade without the work of him and activists like him beforehand Yeah, it's also striking to think that that gay pride there didn't kick off until 91 because I know that it was a subculture in this part of the island as well for so long too but at least it was going from from earlier than then but that it took until 1991 for Northern Ireland to be able to organise one Um, you mentioned his his archive which has been uh, recently donated and that's going to be crucial to everyone who wants to understand more modern Northern Ireland Often on this slot, we talk about kind of great people who who fought for things and didn't win them. But I think what's great about Tarlock's story is that they did win. You know, a lot of what he fought for was a victory. In New York, they, they won the right to march in the parade in recent years. But he was still very proud of the, the St. Patrick's for All march in Brooklyn, which was kind of born as an alternative to the mainstream parade. Mm. Uh, and one of the very last pictures of him taken was at that parade this year with the local congresswoman, who is, of course, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So he was this kind of defining figure to so many people in, in New York. I think the greatest monument to him, though, is the inclusion of more kind of diverse voices in the New York parade. Well, he's a big loss to Belfast. He's a bigger loss to New York, survived by his husband and an enormous community of friends and people that want to really get inside of his mind and the campaigns that he was involved in. His archive is in the Museum of Free Derry. That's going to be very important for anyone who wants to write a, a social history of, of Northern Ireland and the island more broadly in the, the 1980s and 90s. It's correspondence, it's posters, ephemera, badges, you name it, uh, much more besides. And together with the, the Irish Queer Archive and the National Library in Dublin, uh, very, very important stuff to have forever. Yeah, the, the only thing I suppose is that it's an awful shame is that it's an archive that doesn't include more because, as you say, passing away at just 57 years old and he probably had an awful lot more life uh, left to live. Tarlock McNeilish, uh, who passed away from COVID-19. Uh, Donald, just as a follow-on note from last week, did anyone ever get in touch with you about the supposed nuclear bunker in Maine No, Square? there was, there was some, some Twitter chatter about it, but no. But uh, yeah, I think people... People have been uh, emailing me and kind of, I always get a couple of emails after this slot, but a few more now. I suppose we're a nice break from, mm. there's nothing like a break from the present in the past. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> has anyone from Vera Moda and Grafton Street been in touch about the air raids uh, or the, the no, air raid siren I'm, or the bunker I'm underneath? Willing to, I'm willing to visit any air raid shelters in Dublin that people will allow me inside. Well, as soon as non, non-essential retail gets back opened up, we're going straight down to Vera Moda some Sunday afternoon to check that out for ourselves. Uh, Donald Fallon, as ever, uh, thanks very much for joining us this afternoon. Donald Fallon is a historian. He is the author of of the Khmer to Me books and he is the presenter of the Three Castles Burning podcast which you can find on the interwebs. 